Welcome back to Life in the Front Office. I'm your host, Jay Kirschman, and today I have Pete Pachorik, uh, Director of Athletics at Principia College. And I was joined uh, up with Pete a while back via Fred Clare, one of our co-hosts, who many of you may know. But uh, Fred is a dear mentor of Pete's and would love for, for Pete to share some stories about how Fred has really, truly impacted his life. And, and then we'll talk about Pete's uh, unique history uh, throughout his career and, and his family's history. Uh, definitely some really good stories to share. And then we'll dive into uh, Character Loves Company, which is his nonprofit and also a book he has uh, authored. So a man of a lot of accomplishments. Pete, welcome to the podcast. Yes. Jake, thanks so much. Uh, I'm, I'm honored to be on your show tonight. No, thanks for ha- thanks for being here, and and I want to start off with your relationship with Fred. Uh, you mentioned uh, earlier when we were talking about how he's been such an influence in your life, and um, I guess backtrack a little bit to where you started, but then maybe where Fred came in and how he's helped you progress throughout your career. I love it. I love to start right there with uh, you know kind of Fred and the influence he's had, and, and if I could backtrack just a little bit, uh, you know. Uh, all uh, young people growing up have the fortune of having great parents as role models. And, and my pops, my dad, uh, has been a terrific role model of mine. I've uh, been a coach for 50 years, actually just retired from coaching out in Southern California, where you and Fred are out there in Pasadena area. He was the uh, PE coach at Claiborne School, which is a nursery all the way through eighth grade. He, he's influenced a lot of lives. Uh, but in, in, in my mom, who I only had in my life till, till she was till I was 12, she passed away when I was 12, but probably the most influential person in my life is my mom, who just really laid the foundation for doing things the right way, um, you know, knowing how to battle through adversity. Uh, she passed away uh, with cancer uh, when I was 12 years old, as I said, but uh, she's just uh, somebody who's in my heart and she's influenced me greatly. And, and that kind of leads me to, to Fred, who... Uh, just my, my professional career and where I am today, if it wasn't for Fred Clare and his really just, uh, you know, ability, he's just such a caring person, uh, his professionalism. I, I just, you know, when I think back on when I first reached out to, to him, I was hoping I'd get, you know, five minutes or maybe just a reply from an email. And it turned into a 16, 17 year relationship where he's helped me and mentored me through uh, some different times and, and just uh, has been a key to my success. Uh, Fred's connected me with one of your uh, past guests, Bill Schumard, who uh, is a former athletic director himself, and now he's the CEO of uh, a great organization, the Special Olympics uh, in Southern California. And just really, I, mentors are so important. It's something I learned from Fred 16 years ago, is to really start to establish those circles of mentors and those circles of people that I know you've talked about on a previous podcast, Jake. Uh, and uh, so I've really taken that to heart and uh, everywhere I've gone, I've really tried to build strong relationships. I was fortunate to be the head instructor and head coach at IMG Academy down in Bradenton, Florida, and the director of baseball there, Dan Simons, is a terrific role model of mine and a great mentor. Uh, and then just along the way, my, my second master's degree at the University of Florida, the, the chair of the sport management program there, Dr. Michael Sagas, has been unbelievable. And then another doc, uh, ex-Dodger, Gary LaRock, who's now the director of player development for the Cardinals has become a great mentor of mine as well. And these are all contacts that really started and kind of funneled through Fred Clare. As you know, he's just a wonderful person. Well, and you talk about having different mentors in different spaces of the industry, right? Gary's within professional baseball. Um, you mentioned Dan within 
you know, the IMG Academy kind of in the, the high school space, um, Bill within the Special Olympics space. What makes it so special in that they can probably provide some different insights and different perspectives for you who uh, is in college athletics? Well, you know, and they've all, you know, all of them were co collegiate athletes or, or high-level high school athletes. And um, it's just that passion. It's that passion for doing things the right way. It's that passion for excellence. And that's the, the Dodger model that Fred first shared with me. And it's resonated through everything he's done uh, when he's left the Dodgers after 30 plus years and moved on to working at USC and Caltech and just bringing that sense of excellence and doing things the right way and everything he did. And when I talked to Bill, every conversation I had with Bill or, or Gary LaRock or anybody, Fred's name comes up because he's just been so impactful in so many people's lives. And uh, so really sports, it doesn't matter if it's the youth level, the high school level, collegiate level or professional level. It's all the same thing. We're all teaching. We're all teaching life skills. We're all trying to teach uh, the young people that we're fortunate or the older people that we're fortunate to work with, um, you know, how to just really how to do things the right way and, you know, how to be a good teammate, how to operate with integrity, how to be professional. Uh, it all ties in. Well, and with that, that leads me to the, the book that you wrote um, and, the, and the nonprofit you started with Character Loves Company. Give our listeners uh, who have now surpassed 3,000 on our podcast. So thank you for listening um, and continue to share with your colleagues and friends. But Pete, you know, share a, a little bit about Character Loves Company and what it's really all about and, and how we can spread the message about that. Thank you so much, Jake. I appreciate that uh, little uh, way to plug, plug my book <laughs> and my nonprofit. So it's called Character Loves Company, Defining the Teachable Moments in Sports, a guidebook to character literacy development. So that's a mouthful for sure. But if you, you look it up on Amazon, it's, it, you can look it up as Character Loves Company. And I'm actually, it's, it's basically the, non, the nonprofit and the book all tie together. It's a curriculum of teaching character, a progressive step-by-step -step, uh, character development curriculum uh, in, in emphasizing character literacy through sport. And, and it applies to the youth levels all the way, you know, five years old, all the way up through uh, 22, 23-year-olds. And it can also be applied to professional athletics, too. I'm actually talking with some major league baseball teams at their lower levels, the rookie ball level, on uh, you know utilizing a similar curriculum to help these young people realize that hey, everybody wants to play in the big leagues, but it's not going to happen for for everyone. But at the same time, you're learning life skills. They're going to help you be a better dad, a better mom, a better uh, brother, sister, business partner, CEO, whatever it is you do. What you're learning in sports, and you know the adversity you face, and the toughness, and the grit, and all those qualities that are so important to being successful in life. Um, are going to stick with you. So I, I'm actually really proud. I'm, I'm very fortunate and honored that I'm teaching a graduate level class at the University of Florida. It just started three weeks ago. Um, I taught it last spring as well. And the, the uh, textbook for that class is my book, is my guidebook to character literacy development. And uh, it's just fun. I have last year, I had 15 uh, graduate students from University of Florida in the class. It's an online class. And uh, this year, I think I have, I have 17 this year. It's just really fun. It's an interactive class and getting a chance to hear from some of the people in my class are high school coaches, um, you know, they're directors of local recreation centers and different things like that, and learning how to really emphasize and be deliberate and intentional about teaching character. Put it into your game plan instead of just, you know, hoping that you randomly intersperse, uh, you know, a character moment in there, but it's, it's putting it on your, on your practice plan, working it into your game plan as to uh, what a message is to help these young people realize how 
um, you know, how these life skills are, they're learning them, you know, they're, they're, they're learning these life skills throughout sports. And a lot of times I don't even know they're doing it, but helping them connect the dots. Oh, sure. And I, I also did a little bit of homework and, and found out that uh, your student athletes over at Principia College uh, are quite the students, um, quite the, quite the G, GPA accomplishments. Can you speak a little bit about that? I'll tell you what, I, the, the student, student athletes at Principia College are amazing. We're a very small Christian institution, wonderful place built on just great foundations, and I really love it there. Uh, 51% of our student body, Jake, participate in student athletes. That's pretty amazing. We have two sport athletes. We have a couple of three sport athletes who are also double majors. Just amazing what these young people are able to accomplish and stay focused and somehow manage their time. Uh, but uh, yeah, we had a three point, I think it was a 3.35 GPA last year for our student athletes while they were in season. And we had 36, 18 in the fall and 18 in the spring, 36, 4.0 student athletes, which we have an, a plus and minus scale. So if you get one A minus, you can't be on that 4.0. So it's, it's really remarkable. Incredible. I think there were 55 or 56 uh, academic all conference, which means they had a 3.5 or above. And so just really proud of the accomplishments in the classroom. Uh, we make that a big, you know, it's very important, very big emphasis for me and all of our coaches is being a student before an athlete. But at the same time, we're also working to raise the bar um, athletically. We've had some successes. We're, uh, you know, we're going through a rough patch right here in the winter, but, but uh, we're going to bounce back. And, and uh, in, as you know, as well as I do, and Fred talks about this and Bill, we learn a lot from adversity. And so Absolutely. Uh, even when the teams are, down a little bit they stay positive with each other the coaches really truly do a remarkable job really fortunate to have a great coaching staff uh at principia college and uh just just uh, yeah proud proud of our student athletes and proud of uh proud of our coaches no well and i guess how is the experience from your past uh turns at, at img academy and and even professional baseball and and just growing up in your family who you you had said has has had nine professional baseball players in it um including a unique story about your dad we'll, we'll get to that but um what has that all taught you now that you're you know at the director of athletics position um where you're at and you know when you look back at the your career thus far you know are there things that uh, you've learned along the way that you think uh, stemmed from when you were an athlete yourself? Absolutely. I mean, everything uh, is a learning process. I have a lot to learn as an athletic director. I'm very fortunate. Uh, and I think uh, I'm very grateful every day that, that I had the opportunity to be hired as a, you know, fairly, fairly young. I like to think that I'm fairly young uh, director of athletics in the field of collegiate, you know, the wor collegiate world of sport. And, um, but along the way, from the times I was in the minor leagues, I spent nine years in the minor leagues. A lot of people would say, man, nine years, and you didn't make, you didn't quite make it. I got out to AAA and didn't quite crack in. And they think, well, was that a waste of time? I said, absolutely not. I learned so much from riding those buses and, you know, 13-hour bus ride and having to get up the next day and still perform and still play and compete. I was going to say, how many bus rides do you think you took in nine years? <laughs> I've never thought about that. I don't know if I want to know. I mean, what if you kept it? What if you kept a journal, knowing somehow knowing that you'd play nine years in the minors and you put a tally for every bus ride you had? You, you how might many, have. Uh, how many miles? I think I played in every single <laughs> every single state. But you know what? For any any pro baseball player who's listening to this, or parents of a pro baseball player, I what I would wish I would have done 
Uh, and now technology is better. Cell phones were just coming out back when I was playing, but, um, but and then laptops with the capability of having Wi-Fi and all that stuff. But I wish I would have done like Rosetta Stone and learned Spanish. I'm trying to pick up Spanish now because it's so you know important in the sport world. And we're you know working on recruiting some international students from uh, you know Latin America and Spanish-speaking countries. But I wish I would have think about that. If I would have known nine years on a bus, I could be fluent in Spanish and German and French and, and every language. <laughs> you could have written a, another couple of books. And I could have started writing <laughs> books. Exactly. I kind of just sitting there watching movies. There's only so many times you can watch Caddyshack on a bus. In <laughs> That's right. Well, and, and, you know, some of the, some of the places you were going probably early on were maybe not the most desirable locations, right? Uh, definitely not. I'm not going to name any names, of <laughs> but there were some rough areas, uh, some of them and staying in some rough hotels in the, in the minor leagues, but it, it made, you know, made you tougher and, uh, you know, sheets that didn't fit on the bed and your feet are hanging off the bed and things like that. But it's just, you know, it's the teamwork. Uh, that's what I miss the most. I mean, I had some unbelievable teammates that I still keep in contact with. And I don't want to name drop, but one of my, one of my roommates who's, a, you know, just really proud of the accomplishments he's had is David Ross, who's won two World Series, one with the Red Sox, one with the Cubbies. And uh, Rossi is just an unbelievable guy, terrific teammate. And uh, I can't believe he came in second on Dancing with the Stars. But uh, it's just, <laughs> it's fun. I mean, I learned a lot from him. And hopefully he learned something from me along the way. But uh, just great people, uh, you know, hard work. And it does. I mean, it, it applies to, it applies to everything you do in life. Uh, you know, so everything we've learned in the sport world, I know you were an athlete yourself. And um, everything we've learned in the sport world makes us that much more effective at what we're doing uh, once we're done with sports. When, when you were competing and knowing your family history of nine, nine professional baseball players, knowing your dad got up to the big leagues, did, did you ever feel any pressure to, you know, be someone you maybe weren't or any pressure to succeed or um, get there faster than anyone else? Uh, yeah. I mean, I have to admit I did just, you know, my dad played in the big leagues and my uncle Tom played for 18 years in the major leagues. He's the one that most people have heard of. Uh, he, uh, he announced for the White Sox after on WGN, Hawk Harrelson and, and Tom Wimpy Pachorek uh, up in Chicago. But uh, yeah, and another uncle Jim played in the major leagues as well. And then I got the furthest in the second generation, kind of let the family down. No, I'm just kidding. But, uh, <laughs> but it, you know, there was, it was, it was kind of like an expectation that it's easy to get to the big leagues and it's not, I mean, as you know, and Fred knows and every, I mean, anybody's been around professional athletics or high level athletics, it's tough. I mean, as you move up levels, guys are better and they're not, they're not trying to let you hit that 97 mile an hour fastball on the black and they're trying to get you out. And, um, you know, I had opportunities and, and, uh, you know, got close, but, couldn't quite uh, crack and you just you never know I mean I'm a big believer that God has a plan for each of us and um, you know I feel like what I'm doing now is really blessing uh, blessing a lot of people and uh, it's blessing myself and blessing my family so just very grateful to be where I am today well I want to go back to your to your book and your nonprofit because um, people kind of question what's how did you get the character loves company right like when I, when I co-authored my book with Andy and, and, and a few others, you know, the title, it took us a while to get there. And, and then I think now that we've wrote it and it's been out for a year, the title might be a little long, but it's, uh, you know, it is what it is. And, but, but it makes sense, right? How did you get to Character Loves Company? What's, what was truly behind it and maybe the inspiration from it? 
Uh, you know, that's that's an excellent question. I, I really have to go back to uh, Dr. Sagas, Dr. Michael Sagas from University of Florida there. He he was helping me throughout writing this book. And as I was doing my master's in sport management there and, and really giving me some good advice. And we were talking about a concept of misery loves company. Like I was talking about how people that are miserable, they like to hang out together. And so I wanted to write this book and I wanted coaches, good coaches who cared about doing the right thing to hang out together because, you know, you know, you know that the more who you hang out with, they influence you. So if you're hanging out with miserable people, they're going to bring you down. So that's where, that's where that concept came up. Character loves company. So it's like, you know, people that like talking about character, they like to be around other people that like to talk about character. Um, And trust me, I've done probably a hundred more than a hundred now community talks, especially when I was down in Florida prior to coming up to to Illinois to, for this athletic director job at Principia. And I go around and do talks at local rec centers about character development and talk with coaches about how important it is. I remember doing one of my first ones was with a group of football coaches and all, and, and the director of the rec center said, Hey, we got this guy coming in. He's an ex professional baseball player. He's going to talk to you about character. And you can just imagine these guys rolling their eyes. Like, Oh my gosh, I want to listen to this guy. you know, football coaches, they just wanted to have their draft and get their players and get their teams and get out of there. And when the director shared with them that I was going to be talking about character, they probably weren't super happy. But it was amazing. These football coaches, at the end of the day, they said, this is awesome. How do we do more of this? How do we make this a part of our practice plan and our game plan? Because we all want to do it. I mean, most coaches are in it for the right reason, but they get caught up in the winning at all costs and all that. And, and so I just gave them kind of gave them a little game plan. And that's, that was kind of the genesis of this idea of character loves companies coming up with a, a roadmap or a, a game plan. It's progressive and it builds on, you know, the previous week, maybe they pick five character values out of the 25 that I list in the book and they focus on just those five. Maybe they only focus on one for the whole season, but at least they're focusing on something. And you know what, you know what it does too, is when you're working with parents, especially, you know, in today's world, parents are kind of helicoptering and they're hovering and they want to be involved in, and they want to make sure you're, you have the best interests of their son or daughter. But if you're sending an email out every biweekly email, every couple of weeks about what you're teaching the young people about character, trust me, that's going to get the parents off your back. And even if Johnny or their, their son's not playing shortstop and batting third, and they're not happy with his playing time, if they know that they're learning life skills from this coach, they're going to back off and give that coach some room. So it's just, it's, it definitely is something that a lot of coaches who have bought my book or are using my book to to really as a, as this, uh, you know, template for, for teaching character, they really appreciate just that it gives them some drills and some activities to use, uh, to better emphasize, you know, what's really important about youth sports, which is teaching these young people to be, uh, really to be good people. No, absolutely. And I'm going to put you on the spot here for our listeners. What's maybe one, uh, aspect of the character character list that you have, that uh, they could focus on within their job, within the, the business of sports? Um, you know, I think of Bill Schumer and I think of him as the CEO of the Special Olympics and just what a wonderful person he is. And every time I talk to him, I, I go away with just such a gratitude for his humility. And I think that's something that uh, humility, which, is, which I think leads to a growth mindset. If you're humble, if people that think and, and students, uh, athletes who think they know everything they have that fixed mindset they're not going to look to grow so I think that the ability to stay humble and realize that you always have something to learn you always have way a way to improve um I don't know if Bill Schumer told you this story but when he first started at Special Olympics they're influencing 
I think 8,800 kids. And that was great. Our, our young people or, or people with, um, uh, you know, different physical and intellectual challenges. And, uh, and since then, they've grown by four or five times and just never settling on good enough. Um, and I think that you have to have humility to do that. So that's probably the one. I mean, there's a lot. I mean, I could, I could focus on any one, but that one just jumped into my head because as I, as I think back on uh, the influence that Bill and Fred both have had in my life. As, as you've gone on in your career, who are some people that you've maybe uh, impacted the same way that Fred and Bill have? And is there maybe a success story that you could share there? Wow, that's awesome. Great question. I, uh, I was just sharing with somebody, it might have been Fred or Bill, um, about how I'm now at a point where some people are actually reaching out to me as, as a mentor. So it's kind of that it goes full circle, that um, pay it forward type of thing you know people that have impacted me now I get a chance to potentially play a small part in in the development of somebody else and a young man who played for me at Principia College his name is Spencer Clevenger he only played for me for one year because then I went down and I took a job at IMG Um, but we kept in contact and I helped him get an internship at IMG he was there were a a lot of applicants and they chose him because maybe partly because of my recommendation but just he's a worker and he's now a uh, strength coach with the Miami Marlins, which is the field he was always passionate about going into. And I feel like, uh, you know, I've been a somewhat of a mentor for Spencer and just so proud of him. He'll be a big league strength coach here in five years. He's amazing. And, and really that quality of humility, at, you know, and a, a work ethic uh, that he has is just amazing. It's people like that who, who are just willing to work and they, they're about doing things the right way. Um, I'm sure that's why Fred and, and, and Bill have such an affinity towards you. And it, it just, it's helping, you know, helping good people that, you know, are going to make an impact in the sport world or the world in general. Uh, you know, and so that's, that's one success story with uh, Spencer Clevenger, who's just really doing some awesome things with the Miami Marlins. Well, you'll, you'll have to share this with Spencer if he's not listening so that way uh, he, he hears his shout out, but um uh... You know, when you think about the world of college athletics, a lot of people think about, you know, uh, right now I'm working at Purdue, right? So the Big Ten, the Power Five schools, and then the the mid-major Division One schools, and then there's the Division Two and Division Three. And I played at Division Three school, and and truly there is a there is somewhat of a division, right, within the NCAA of of the experiences that you might have. Um, but maybe talk a little bit about your experience on the business side as an athletic director. And what you've learned there and then what are the opportunities for those who want to get into the, the business of sports that maybe aren't going to focus on, you know, trying to go work at a power five school, right? Because, you know, Andy and I talk about all the time the the loss of logo concept and, you know, getting hung up on, oh, it's Michigan or, oh, it's Ohio State and, you know, Texas and, and, and getting caught up in the logo, right? But, but the work that you're doing is still extremely impactful, right? And, and looking at it from that perspective and enjoying what you do on a day-to-day basis and, and impacting people like you were talking about. I, I love that, that word. Yeah. You hit that, you hit the nail on the head, that word impact. And uh, that's why I'm where I am today at Principia. I feel like I could impact uh, positively the coaches, the campus community, and obviously number one, the student athletes. Um, and yeah, I, I think a lot of people, when I was in professional baseball, I thought, okay, when I retire, I've played for X amount of years. I'm going to be a division one head coach, 
you know, baseball coach or whatever. And then, but it's, it's, you know, those jobs don't come open very easily. And, and I wasn't prepared to be a division one head coach when I first got out, I was barely compared, barely prepared to be a division three head coach. And, um, you know, and your, your uh, priorities change. I, I love the division three model because it really is about being a student before an athlete. And I'm not knocking division one because it's wonderful uh, and division two as well, but those divisions that you're, you're really more of an athlete and then you, you know, you're a student also. And, and obviously you get out of it what you put in. And there's a lot of, there's a lot of division one athletes that are amazing students. Uh, but the division three model is really built around this idea of balance. And I love that for students. You can, you can double major, you can do the major that you want to do. You can uh, play a sport or even two, you can have a social life outside of, of sports. So you're building pillars uh, to, to lean on for the rest of your life and not just, one pillar which is just athletics and so uh there's a lot of people don't understand i mean there's most people listening on your show here probably have never heard of principia college we're a small <laughs> college in elsa illinois you probably never heard of elsa illinois we're, we're about 40 minutes from st louis we're on the illinois side of the mississippi river and uh there's so many schools that i've never heard of them you know you go to a convention and you know, there's different schools oh, i've never heard of that school well, they've never heard of my school either but and you're just you're sharing ideas, but it's about impacting lives. It's about young people having a chance to play sports for four more years, play a sport that they're passionate about, that they love, that they and that goes back to my book. But if they're learning life skills and they realize and coaches are helping them crystallize this idea and connect the dots that they're learning to be a better dad, you know, better business partner, um, whatever it is they're going to do, uh, you know, more caring, you know, put put other people, you know, not just uh, always put yourself first, but. But, you know, working, knowing, knowing how to work as an effective member of a team um, and, and respecting each other and, and finding joy and seeing the, seeing the accomplishments of other people. And that's what I think being a good teammate is when the guy hits that home run and you're the first one up on the top step because you're so fired up that they just, you know, for their success. It's the same thing. You know, I, you see that in, in sports. You see some people who, you know, they get really excited about successes of their teammates and you see others who are like, uh, if it wasn't them having the success and those are the people that you don't really surround yourself with, you want to surround yourself with high character people. Um, but, but going back to your question, division three, the model's awesome. Uh, there's a lot of, there's over almost 400 NCAA division three colleges out there. Um, and I know you said you played, were you, did you go to uh, Redlands? I was at the university of Redlands. Yep. Yeah. So that's a wonderful school. And, and uh, I mean, there's so many awesome schools out there and a lot of kids, they put their eggs in one basket of I'm going D one or bust. And, um, you know, it's great if you can play at that level, but a lot of times you sit on the bench and you kind of wilt away where you can be a rock star and superstar and, and, and do what you love to do and be a leader and be a captain and, and make an impact in lives at a division three or a division two program. No, absolutely. And you talked about being a better dad. You've got three kids. How do you balance uh, life along with a nonprofit, along with being an athletic director. I'm sure there's other endeavors you have, whether it's, co you know, coaching on the side and, um, you know, for, for sports, right. It's always kind of the, the notion of, you know, work or come to work early, stay late as Fred has always said. And, and it's always the extra hours on the weekends and that sort of thing uh, separate from other jobs. But how do you, I mean, how do you keep the balance? That's a great question. And, and if you want to be a division three, division two, or division one athletics director, I'm not going to lie and, and uh, sugarcoat it. You're going to put in, you're going to be there. You're going to put in hours. But what I love about the institution where I work at Principia is that my kids, um, when they get out of school, they come to the games 
and they're hanging out until bedtime. I'll leave at, you know, for basketball, I'll leave at halftime and put the kids to bed, kiss them goodbye, and then come back to uh, the game so I can catch the tail end and make sure I can shake the hands and, and look the student athletes in the eye and tell them nice job at the end of the day and make sure everything is, you know, you know, the facility is all tidied up after and all that. And, and I have a tremendous staff, but, but it's, it's bring the kids with you. I always thought, you know, I wanted to play in the big leagues for 20 years so that my kids could come to Dodger stadium and watch me hit home runs and watch me play. And that didn't work out exactly like that, but I love where I am now, especially it's a really, you know, just high character uh, student athletes that we have. And so I, I trust, my kids around any of our student athletes. And it's, it's funny, our, my son and, and my daughters too will run up. They'll, they'll see some athletes that they've gotten to know and they'll run up and sit with them in the stands. And I, I can just turn the other way and I can do my job and interact with people the way I do. And I know that my kids are, are in good hands. So um, it is long hours, like you said, uh, but it's fun. I mean, if you're, if you're involved in athletics, you love it. And it's, I, it doesn't even feel like a job, you know, especially when the game starts and and I get, or practice to start and I get to go around and just support the student athletes and support the coaches. That's, that's such a fun part. I'm honored. And I feel so privileged and grateful to, to, to be an athletic director. Well, and as an athletic director, you know, there's, there's obviously a business side to it as well. Um, for those who want to try and get into the collegiate side of athletics um, and, and onto the business side, what are some areas that they can look at or learn about, you know, obviously there's the development aspect, facilities, marketing, et cetera, and it may not be as full blown at the division three level, but you know, wh where are some areas that, that students can look at? I think there's amazing. And, and if people are working full time to provide for their family or for themselves, there's amazing online programs. Uh, I ended up at Florida, uh, but I looked at Ohio, um, you know, Ohio state. I mean, they're, they're I mean, I, they're nameless. I mean, you could, the list is endless. There's, there's some wonderful programs out there. And, um, you know, that's, so that's a way to continue to further their education while still working full time on the, using the online or made mainly online platform. Um, but also like, you know, as far as jobs, entry jobs into, into the sports world, you know, being a high school coach, you know, coaching high school level, getting that on your resume. Um, if there's ever a chance to serve on a committee to take advantage of that, to build your resume, uh, like we talked about to start off the show, the, the mentoring aspect, start building mentors and connecting with people because they're going to help connect you to potentially your next job. Um, I think if you want to be an, if somebody who wants to be an athletics director, big part of my job is advancement, working with our advancement office, which is, you know, ultimately working with um, uh, donors who are typically alumni who love their experience. And that's a big part of being a, an athletics director is, um, you know, going out and raising money to provide for your institution and provide for your student athletes, because the better you do it, better I do it, my job as far as that goes with advancement, the, the better the experience is, and the more we can provide terrific opportunities for travel, like our teams go out to, we're coming out to California here um, in uh, middle of March for spring break, we're going to bring our baseball team and uh, two tennis, our men's and women's tennis teams out and, and compete against Redlands and Occidental and Laverne and uh, some great schools out there on the conference in that uh, Skyac conference that you are a part of. Oh, yeah. Uh, and it's a great conference. Usually we get roughed up sometimes, but uh, it's good. <laughs> the level of competition out there in California is a little stiffer because they're outside a lot longer, a lot earlier than we are. A lot of times when we go to spring break, that's the first time we're outside um, competing. So, <clears throat> but, uh, so, so the better I do at that at advancement work, 
uh, the better we can provide for, for our student athletes and the overall, really my ultimate goal or priority is the student athlete experience um, at Principia. And so I would say that you mentioned marketing, uh, sports information, uh, director of athletic communication, uh, being a strong writer is very important to, to my job as well as, um, you know, a lot of, you know, writing press releases, our sports information director, um, and just proposals and, and things that you're always, you're always going to bat for your, for your teams and trying to make their experience the best you possibly can. Well, and, and I think writing was brought up in one of our other episodes with Jeff Idelson from president of Cooperstown and, and just how important it is. And, and Fred hit on it all the time of, you know, his days in, in PR, um, you know, you take writing and that's a form of communication and then you take social media you're kind of at, at the, the helm of, uh, you know, where there's a lot of student athletes participating and social media is kind of one of those uncontrollable things. How do you go about teaching not only the student athletes about what they should and shouldn't post, but really how, how to um, identify themselves as good character people online as well as in person? I'm smiling, Jake, because I just had <laughs> yesterday, I just had a code of conduct meeting, which we do before every season. So with our winter, I'm sorry, with our spring athletes coming back from uh, the holiday break and now they're getting ready, practicing indoors, uh, all of our spring sports. And so we had our code of conduct. And that's one of the things that I spent a little bit of time focusing on is, you know, we're not on social media. It's not a platform to, to rip the officials. If they, you think they missed a call, it's not time to complain about your playing time or things like that. I always say, and even back when I was at IMG and I was running the um, the camps, the summer camps there, where we'd have three, a uh, hundred new kids every year. I mean, every week. And I'd always do a little talk middle of the week about social media. Cause it's so important to young people uh, nowadays. And, um, and I tell them, you're the CEO of your own company and what you put on, uh, on social media people, it's out there, it's out there for people to read. And so, um, you know, I share different stories of recruiting stories of when I was recruiting or friends of mine that are college coaches who were recruiting and, they went on somebody's Facebook page or Instagram and they see pictures of, you know, maybe involve alcohol or, you know, gestures or just things that they shouldn't, you know, that just don't shed a, a positive light on them. And it affects what coaches, how coaches view them, you know, so they want to get that scholarship to University of Florida or wherever it is they want to play. They got to, they got to make sure they're representing themselves well in all areas. And one of those areas that, that people will look at, including employees, as you know, will, is all this, all the uh, social media. And so uh, that's, it's, it's a really important lesson for young people to learn is you just don't put on there anything you want. You got to think about how it's representing you, how it's representing your, your school, your team, your coach, and importantly, your family. Uh, so it's just giving them a little perspective. Well, and, and think about if you had social media, when you guys were playing, what David Ross would have posted throughout all those bus rides, right? <laughs> I'm sure it would have been fine. Probably, probably some, some dance moves doing the robot or something like that. Right, right. <laughs> well, I, you know, we, we were teasing earlier about uh, your dad's story from the big league. So we'll finish up with that. And then I've got a couple rapid fire questions for you. Um, but go ahead and, and shed some light as to uh, the history of batting a thousand. Sound, that sounds awesome. So my dad, who I'm really proud of, he, he so he played in the major leagues when he was in 1963 for the Houston Colt 45s before they were the Houston Astros. And he got called up for the last game of the season. He played with Rusty Staub, Joe Morgan, 
uh, Jimmy Wynn. I mean, just a lot of guys who ended up having legendary careers. And he played right field, got five plate appearances, walked twice, had three singles, scored four runs, drove in four runs. I think I said he had a diving catch out in the outfield. Just perfect day. And uh, that was the last day of the season. He had back surgery, spinal fusion, and the technology back then was nowhere near what it is today, obviously. And he never played again. He tried to get back in the minor leagues, but he just wasn't the same. He couldn't move. His idol growing up was Mickey Mantle. He had a really good arm. He was what they'd say a five-tool player. And um, my uncle Tom, who played for 18 years, was a year younger. And scouts that I've talked to said my dad was more talented. Tom, you know, my dad would say Tom was, had it together mentally maybe a little bit better. But, um, <laughs> and Tom played for 18 years, so you never know how good my dad could have been. But, but one game in the big leagues, he's in the Guinness Book of World's Records for the highest uh, you know, there's people that have gone one for one or two for two, but he's the only one who's ever gone three for three. And what I'm most proud of, though, and I think you, know, you, you talk about we talked about impact earlier, um, you know, impacting lives positively through the vehicle of sport. And he I feel like he, I definitely know he's blessed more people as a coach over the last 50 years than he would have as a potentially as a major league all star. He just amazing the influence. I mean, kids that played for him. 25 years ago, they and I run into them. They'll say, "Oh, how's your dad?" And they remember the nickname he had. He had nicknames before uh, Steve Berman, uh, you know, on uh, on uh, ESPN. But but so it's just you know really proud of just you know his accomplishments. And there's been a book written about him, an LA Times reporter. Um, it's called Perfect, uh, about his perfect day in the major leagues. And uh, so he's he's still doing great. He just retired last year, but he's goes to the gym and works out every day. He's in better shape than I am. And it's just amazing. What's, what does uh, Pete do for his workouts uh, outside of uh, being an athletic director? Uh, you know what it is? It's that daddy, it's that daddy strength. It's lifting the kids, <laughs> swinging the kids around, chasing them around. <laughs> it really is. You don't have time to, to work out. So you find, you know, if you get 15 minutes to do some sit-ups, actually I haven't done sit-ups in a long time, but I shouldn't even say that. But, uh, but you just you find your time to get in there and, and get in the gym. We have really nice facilities at Principia in the weight rooms. I try to get in there occasionally and just, you know, try to motivate the athletes. Uh, but they're lifting like three times as much weight as I am. So it's kind of embarrassing. Last last question we'll follow up with. And if you were listening to Andy Dolich and, and Bill Schlau's episode about, um, you know, technology and the Giants and everything, there was a unique aspect in the episode where Bill and Andy were both talking about how their greatest accomplishment of their careers were their family. Um, I, I would imagine yours is probably up there. Maybe talk about what kind of impact that's had on your life and, and maybe uh, how that's changed your perspective as you've gone throughout your career. Yeah, thank you. Um, fortunate. Uh, and I really appreciate this opportunity because uh, now I can, uh, you know, speak about my wonderful wife, who we actually we met in high school back at San Marino High School in California, uh, just south of Pasadena, uh, where Fred has his office. And um, so we've been together. We dated for 16 years all through my professional career. She stuck with me. And then uh, we've been married now for about 15 years. <laughs> and um, she's amazing. We have three kids. Uh, you know, she's you know, we talk about in sports how I love the idea of uh, young people playing multiple sports. Uh, instead of just specializing on one at really young ages. And I say the reason for that is because you might be a star in baseball, but you might be a role player in basketball. Well, when it comes to our kids, I'm definitely the role player. My wife is the rock star. <laughs> she does, you know, she does so much. She's so wonderful. And, uh, and then I come in and try to play that, you know, play my role. 
um, as, you know, as well as I can and, and, and provide as well as I can, but she's amazing. And our kids are fun. I mean, it just gives you perspective having young kids. I have two daughters and my youngest one's a little boy and they're just a handful. Uh, they're a lot of fun. And, um, you know, I just can't imagine life. I don't remember life before having kids. It just is a whirlwind, but it's definitely a lot of fun. Well, you, you did mention you did remember the bus rides, right? So I remember the bus. <laughs> <laughs> things like things like that, where you're trying to sleep on a 14 hour bus ride, and you wake up and your neck is turned sideways and you, you know, you got to get in there and hit batting practice is, is something you never forget. There you go. Well, Pete, we really appreciate having you on Life in the Front Office today. Uh, we certainly welcome you back and uh, wish you the best of luck through the, the rest of the spring semester. Um, appreciate uh, your time and looking forward to our next episode in the following week with a surprise guest. So stay tuned. Uh, and thanks again, Pete. Jay, can't thank you enough. Uh, what you're doing is awesome. Uh, and Fred, and, and just that connection that you have and you guys are, are touching and blessing a lot of lives. Appreciate it. And if you want to listen to any of our other episodes uh, after Pete, follow us on Life in the Front Office on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And if you have any comments or suggestions, tweet at us at Life Front Office. Thanks.